Part Two, Chapter Thirty Nine of Johnny Reb and Billy Yank by Alexander Hunter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Barry Eads. Chapter Thirty Nine A Scouting Adventure. The next morning was Christmas Day, and though one of the principal elements that marked that anniversary, the giving and receiving of gifts, was omitted, yet our congratulations were none the less sincere for that. Beaming faces and kind words were met with on every side, and at Warrington even the speculators and extortioners, who had remained out of the army to make money, in the fullness of their hearts, filled our canteens with the best of blockade whiskey, a piece of generosity they were never known to repeat. About ten o'clock at night the door opened and a scout entered, splashed with mud from head to foot. He had galloped from Warrington and brought news that a brigade of Yankee cavalry, under General Merritt, had occupied the village a short time after our departure, and having placed a strong picket force, had encamped for the night. A sociable consultation was held, and like all conventions, there was diversity of opinions. One half were in favor of making a night attack on the picket force, and the other, favoring a more cautious policy, advised waiting until next day, and then operate in their rear as best we could. Wooden, the scout who had brought us the information, said, however, the pickets were unusually large, with a heavy reserve, and it would be folly for so small a party to attack them. Sergeant Martin agreed in this, and his decision settled the matter. After an early breakfast, we began to make preparations for the expected foray. We fired off our pistols and reloaded them carefully, examined our horses, and having placed everything in order, mounted, and under the leadership of Sergeant Bob Martin, set out for Warrington. Reaching the suburbs of that village, and seeing the enemy's pickets thrown out on the heights, the sergeant dispatched Wooden and myself to reconnoiter and returned with such information as we could obtain. Spurring forward, I left Wooden behind and perceived a man with a blue overcoat galloping to meet me. The rapid gait soon brought me close up, and raising myself in the stirrups, intending to try the effect of a snap shot, had cocked my revolver, when a familiar voice hailed me and I found it was a citizen friend just from Warrington. He informed me that the cavalry brigade had struck camp and their rear guard was just passing through town on the retreat. Keeping on, I reached the other side of the village before I saw anything. Then just before me was a horseman dressed in blue, rushing down the hill at full speed. Thinking he was one of the rear guard, I ordered him to halt, but he still kept on. A regular scrub race ensued, and it was neck or nothing down the steep frozen road. I had nearly arrived at the bottom in safety, when in attempting to jump a broad ditch, my horse slipped and down he went headlong, and then, half recovering himself and still preserving the impetus, slid on his knees on the icy turnpike to the bottom of the hill. Just then the man I was pursuing dropped his hat and dismounted to get it. As he did so, I spurred my horse to his feet and reached the stranger before he could mount. Presenting a cocked revolver at his breast, I ordered him to surrender. He cried out, Don't shoot, I'm a reb. Open your overcoat and let me see your jacket, but for your life don't touch your pistol. He obeyed, and I saw that his clothes were gray. Apologizing for the trouble I had given him, we rode on amicably together. His name was Fred Hopkins, from Norfolk, Virginia, and he was one of the most gallant members of Mosby's famous battalion. Nothing but his coolness prevented one of us being shot. 
we soon caught up with a large party of our scouts and just ahead was the union rear guard going in a fast canter and holding well together i found to my grief that i could not keep up with the crowd as my horse was so lame he could scarcely limp along dismounting i examined him and discovered that in his fall he had cut his knee badly my scouting was over for that day seeing a good horse which the enemy had abandoned on the side of the road i slipped a halter over his head and taking both horses by the bridles struck off on foot from the road intending to find some farmhouse where i could leave the lame horse and make my way back to the martins a walk of about a mile brought me to the house of mr johnson tying my horses to the fence i knocked at the door and hardly had i been seated five minutes before a young girl rushed in her face blanched and her voice trembling with excitement i don't know who you are but if you are a southern soldier run for your life for the yankees are all around our house and have just taken your horses i started up and springing to a closet opposite asked her to conceal me within no she cried in an agony of distress they will certainly find you try to reach the wood go go for god's sake go i literally bounded to the front door opened it and was on the porch in a second the woods were fully a hundred yards away with two fences to cross before i could gain the friendly shelter i had no time to lose for about twenty paces from the house was a large squad of blue coats i made a dash for liberty and in a trice was over the first fence and legging it for the woods between the house and the fence was a deep ditch and in my blind haste i like my horse a few hours before stumbled and fell headlong recovering my breath i raised my head and looked around the yankees had dismounted and were assembled at the house and several had their carbines leveled at me ducking my head i turned and gazed in the direction of the woods a cavalryman on horseback with a pipe in his mouth had headed me off from that point but to reach the forest was my only chance of safety so i made up my mind to risk it rising suddenly i made straight for him he dropped his reins on his horse's neck and coolly waited for me a few hurried jumps and we were face to face there was a virginia snake fence between us we looked squarely in each other's eyes the cavalryman cocked his carbine with a sudden movement and ordered me to surrender i don't remember anything but i tugged and pulled at my pistol which hung in my holster his comrades who had followed me down the hill now stopped and were gazing at the tragedy enacting before them one cried out kill the damn rebel rousey don't take him prisoner kill him kill him with his carbine leveled full at my breast he fired in that brief moment the sky seemed to reel i involuntarily closed my eyes now there are some noises which strike gratefully upon the ear but i question if there is a sweeter sound on earth one so unutterably welcome as the snapping of a cap in the loaded gun had his carbine been discharged this book had never been written as the hammer of his carbine fell i extracted my pistol and jumped over the fence the trooper could have escaped by riding off but he was made of different metal he dismounted but was a second too late for before he could draw i had his horse by the bridle and my pistol pressing against his bosom don't shoot don't shoot i surrender unbuckle your arms then instead of doing so he remained motionless suspecting some treachery i glanced hastily over my shoulder and saw two of his comrades not ten feet away from me with their guns cocked in it ready they were holding fire fearing to shoot their companion i detected my adversary's right hand grasping the handle of his revolver it was touch and go i pulled the trigger 
even now i can see him plainly as he stood before me a tall fine-looking fellow of about six feet with ruddy cheeks and eyes which blazed defiance the report of the pistol sounded clear he did not move an inch but his face assumed a look of intense bewilderment and he opened and closed his eyes several times i drew back the hammer of the revolver and was just about to fire again when slowly he sank to his knees his comrades lost their presence of mind and cried out rosie's shot and ran back to the house without shooting me which they could easily have done mounting the fallen man's horse and telling its owner to lie there until i came back i dashed into the woods when i reached cover i halted and began to think a feeling of shame took possession of me that i had run off and left the poor citizen to bear all the blame of the troopers hurt they might burn his house in retaliation then too there were my horses it was too bad the black horse would rib me unmercifully i rode back toward the house and played off an old trick common enough among our scouts the yankee troopers were standing in a body near the house apparently deliberating upon what course to pursue on perceiving me they mounted their horses riding up i fired my pistol in the air and shouting in a stentorian voice charge them black horse and waving my hat i rushed up to them if they would not run i would take care to turn tail and fly back to the woods but the ruse succeeded perfectly they wheeled and fled dropping in their haste my two horses which they were leading off by the bridles and away they went never turning their heads to see whether there was a whole company or one man after them of the nine that constituted the party i believe i could have captured a couple more horses for they were in a strange place and doubtless thought a whole squadron of rangers were at their heels but my yankee horse would not jump the fence in vain i urged and spurred him he would not make the attempt and they rode off unmolested the horse that had belonged to rousey was a good one with a new military saddle and bridle i had no cause to be dissatisfied with the day's work i was alive and free after all there is nothing like luck had not my antagonist's carbine misfired i would have been in his place mounting my captured horse i led the other two to a farmhouse nearby and left them with the owner whilst from the johnson family i learned all about the small raiding party i had encountered there were ten men altogether and they had slipped off from the main body against the express order of the general commanding with the intention of going from house to house and robbing its inmates and then to rejoin the regiment unperceived with the plunder they had secured they had completely gutted the house nearby belonging to mr francis who told me next day that every trunk had been broken open every closet and drawer ransacked and everything that was valuable was carried off and that rousey my antagonist was the leader of the band his conduct was atrocious cursing and threatening even the wife and daughter of mr francis just as this blue coat was leaving he ordered the farmer to light his pipe for him accompanying their request with a rough joke they had also robbed mr chichester and had come to mr johnson's for the same purpose when i was fortunate enough to frighten them away i returned to mr martin's that night and found all my comrades assembled sergeant martin deemed it unwise to follow up the pursuit the roads were very muddy and the union rear guards active and vigilant a short time after the war ended the fourteenth new york infantry was garrisoning warrington virginia under the command of as line a soldier as ever led brave men his name was colonel sumner i was staying there at the time and was arrested and tried by court-martial 
the officers of the court said they had heard from the negroes that i had bushwhacked sergeant rousey or rosey of the seventeenth pennsylvania cavalry after hearing the evidence of the johnson family i was acquitted instantly every officer of the tribunal shaking hands with me saying that the boot fitted the other foot and i was exceedingly lucky to get off as i did i thought so too i dined with colonel sumner that day at his special request End of chapter 39